It's a great privilege for us to have uh, Reverend Neil Bernard sharing with us. Many of you are very familiar with Neil. He preaches here each year. Um, but this year has come on, on board our team to oversee our Inspire service. You've never been to Inspire service. Amazing crew that meet on a Wednesday fortnightly. Such a great service. Um, but we're really blessed to have Neil come and share with us this morning. So could you give him a really big bridgy welcome as he comes to share with us? Continuing on my series on the fruit of the Spirit, which I began about six years ago. There's nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. We have two to go. And this morning is gentleness, gentleness, the longest running series around, but that's okay, that's all good. But before I get into that, something I was really surprised at this week at Inspire on Wednesday mornings, we have about 100 people come. And just out of interest, I wanted to know. So I asked the question, I said, could you raise your hand if you have met Queen Elizabeth II? And a lady raised her hand. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Out of 100 people, that's incredible. 100 people this side of the world, of course, not 100 ordinary Australians because nobody ordinary comes to inspire. They're all extraordinary. They're all extraordinary. And then at morning tea, a gentleman came up to me and he said, I chatted with Prince Philip. He said, I met Prince Philip and I chatted with him. And I thought, that's incredible, really. I was really surprised out of 100 people. And the images on TV this week reminded me of something that happened in, I think it was about 1983. I was working at the radio station in Brisbane and the news editor came to me and he said, Neil, you live at Brighton, don't you? And I said, yes. And Prince Charles was in the city on that day. He said, well, Prince Charles is opening a new wing of Eventide Nursing Home at three o'clock in the afternoon. He said, how about you borrow the news car and you go down to Eventide, which of course I knew well, having grown up around that area, and you record his speech as he opens this new wing of Eventide and then send his speech back to us. And he said, you can stay there, take the car, you can bring the car back the next morning when you come to work, because I'd catch the train every day. So I thought, that's a great idea. Probably get to finish work early, finish about four o'clock instead of five. So that would be good. So I headed down to Eventide and had the cassette recorder and the microphone and went around the back of the car and opened the boot. No microphone stand. Channel 7, Channel 9, the ABC were there. So now I'm thinking just you know, minutes away from Prince Charles arriving, what am I going to do? I need to record this speech. And sometimes you've seen on news conferences, you know, they tape microphones together. So I look for some duct tape in the boot. No duct tape around either. The only one thing I can do. So Prince Charles arrived and here was Neil, nearly shoulder to shoulder. I'll say shoulder to shoulder, right? <laughs> with now King Charles III with a microphone stuck right in front of his face. He only had one security guard. He wasn't interested in me at all. And so for the next 10 minutes, just holding my arm out like this, me and the king, me and the king, right? (laughs) Sharing that moment together. He's never forgotten about it. I know that for sure. And I thought all this week, I thought, well, there you go. I would never would have dreamed that that would have happened. And as I say, it's etched in his memory as well. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. So we're speaking about gentleness, gentleness this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Peter writes, wives, 
in the same way, accept the authority of your husband so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a, here's our word, gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in God's sight. We hardly read those words in Scripture, things that are very precious in God's sight. Here's one of them. It was in this way long ago that the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by accepting the authority of their husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. You have become her daughters as long as you do what is good and never let fears alarm you. Husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honour to the woman as the weaker sex, since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing may hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you are called that you might inherit a blessing. Four, those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts, Sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. The definition given to us in the dictionary of gentleness is being kind, being tender, being mild-mannered. Mild -mannered. It comes from a state of humility. It's not viewing ourselves as being superior to others. But gentleness is more than just being nice. It has an active ingredient about it. It means getting done, things done efficiently and maintaining peaceful, loving relationships. Where the word meekness is more concerned with temperament or a habit of mind, gentleness is expressing and active dealing with others. I wonder what your first thought is when you hear the word gentleness, what comes to mind? To me it was that old TV commercial, you know, gentle on your hands while you're doing the dishes. <laughs> what if you have a very gentle person in your life? My mother used to say her father, my grandfather, that all, in all the years that she knew him, in all her years, she never heard him raise his voice once. He was a very strong Christian moral man. And yet I'd also want to say he was a 
gentle man. Queen Elizabeth, though having never met her, I imagine she was a gentle lady. The spirit of gentleness should be the norm for every Christian and is in stark contrast with the way people treat others in the world who do not believe in Christ. Isn't it true that so much of what occurs in our world today is the opposite of gentleness? There's a program on TV that I watch quite often at night. I've changed the name. It's called The Current Affair. I call it a conflict affair because every night somebody's having a go at somebody else about something. Banks taking advantage of those who are in a poor state. Businesses who move into a local community where family businesses have existed for many years and take them over and shut them down and move on. And sadly, it even happens with Christian organisations. A friend of mine is involved in a Christian children's publishing organisation, comes out of Adelaide, and they were doing okay in Australia, and then a big name Christian publisher in America, I won't tell you who it is, asked them if they wanted to join in some kind of partnership and that they would promote these children's books in America. And of course, Stuart was thinking, this is a great opportunity. This would be amazing to get our books over there as well. So they signed the contract. And then after a few months, he was discovering that there were books that they were printing in America that were very similar to the books that were being published in Australia. Similar kind of design, graphic design, similar kind of story. And after about three years, He woke up to the fact that what they actually wanted to do was shut his business down, was to take it over and close it and take all his ideas and bring them into their own. So of course, as soon as the contract was finished, he got out of it. It breaks your heart, doesn't it? That Christian organisations can be like that. The world admires gentleness, especially when it expects the opposite from us. Gentleness has three sisters, they all hang around together, humility, kindness and meekness are their names. Gentleness doesn't seek attention. Gentleness doesn't like the spotlight. Gentleness is not the leader of a marching band if we imagine a great parade. Gentleness is not the one that's up the front. In fact, I want to think that after the marching band is gone and the parade's nearly over and people are starting to disperse, that's when gentleness appears on the scene. Gentleness is not concerned with position or power or performance. Not concerned if others are stronger, others can run faster or swim deeper. That's not even in the mind of gentleness. Gentleness never seeks to win the approval of the crowd. And gentleness is not, I would say, instantaneously an attribute of God that we would think about if I was to ask you of the attributes of God. We would probably go to, well, God is love and God is faithful and God is kind and God is merciful, God is forgiving. But I doubt if any of us perhaps even in our own top three or top five, would have included gentle. God is gentle. 
But at the very heart of God is gentleness. God is gentle. He is omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, he is the creator of the universe, he's holding everything together as we're reminded this morning, but God is also gentle. In fact, David writes about this in Psalm 18, verse 35. David says this, this, he says, speaking to the Lord, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand has supported me. Your, and I find this really extraordinary, uses this word, your gentleness has made me great. Now, when you think about King David, you think, That's not the word that I would use. Speaking of God, your power has made me great. Your might has made me great. Your strength has made me great. Your authority has made me great. Your sovereignty has made me great. But David says your gentleness, your gentleness has made me great. We know that David had many enemies and that the Lord granted him victory over these enemies. And of all the attributes of God that David could have referred to in elevating David to greatness, he says, it's your gentleness. God is gentle. Jesus is gentle. Matthew 11, 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, says Jesus, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Then of course the passage we know from Palm Sunday, Zechariah 9.9 and Matthew 21. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the, gra- on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. In the time of Jesus, when a king was to go in and to conquer the city, he would go in riding a horse. I'm the power, I'm the authority. But when a king rode into a city riding on a donkey, he was going in to make peace with that city. And here we have Jesus riding on a donkey, a symbol of humility. Jesus did not ride into Jerusalem to conquer it, but to win it over through his peace and humility. He came gentle and riding on a donkey. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to be the victim of the greatest injustice ever committed by humankind. Yet he did not speak a word in his defence. And of course, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, which means that in all of ourselves, we can do the best we can to be gentle, but we need God's Spirit in us to show God's gentleness to those whom we live with and whom are around us. 
when the Holy Spirit is allowed to have his way in us, gentleness will be shown in our lives. The world may try to copy, try to imitate the gentleness that we have, but it can never be the same. Their gentleness has no lasting rewards and no lasting results. Only God's gentleness does. So into the scripture here of 1 Peter 3, Peter writes and he says that you and I, we are to be gentle. And the first place that he mentions is that we are to be gentle in the home. The chapter begins, chapter three of 1 Peter, wives in the same way. So of course the question we need to ask is, well, in what way, in what way? And in chapter two, Peter has already told us that as believers, we have been called out of darkness into God's marvellous light. Now that's positional truth. We no longer live in the world of darkness as Christians, but we live in the light of God. But positional truth must have practical application. It means that our conduct must be consistent with our character. And Peter mentions a number of illustrations, a number of examples to show us how we are to live in the light of God now that we are in the light of God. Practically, he says that we need to submit to government authority, even if it's corrupt. We are to obey the laws of the land unless they go against Scripture. We are to obey our government authorities. We are to pay our taxes respect the nation's leader, leader of the state. It's not because they deserve it, but Peter says, by doing right, we will silence the ignorance of the foolish. We're to be gentle with our employers, whether they are kind to us or whether they are harsh toward us. What's the godly response to a boss who's critical, demanding, never appreciative, always wanting more and more from you. Peter says, be gentle. It is a credit to you if being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. We are to do good when we suffer wrong. You have God's approval when you endure in doing what is right. Now, ladies, I'm just going to address the men and the husbands for a moment so you can zone out, right? You can think about something else for a moment. So I'm just going to talk to the men for a moment. Chapter 2, verse 21 of 1 Peter. Peter writes this. He says to men, for to this you have been called. That's the men. You are to be known for your humble and gentle lives. When attacked, we are not to retaliate. When hurt, we're not to hold grudges and pain, planning our revenge, scheming how we can get back at that other person. When overlooked, we're not to think to ourselves, I'll get myself back. I'll do something to you. The husband is to make the home a showcase of gentleness. This came to my thinking when I was working down at the Bible school and my property manager, Phil, six foot six, big, tall guy, 
We're talking in the lounge uh, one day and he said to me, Neil, I'll always be grateful for being saved for, and I wonder what the next thing he was going to say. I'll always be grateful for being saved for, and he said these words, God has tempered my character. And then he said to me that as a teenager, although he never did it, he said, I quite easily was a person of anger. And he said, see that chair over there? He said, it wouldn't take much at all for me to pick that chair up and throw it through the window. But he said, after having been a Christian, he said, God has tempered my character and has made me a gentle man. I would never have thought about it because of course I didn't know him all those years ago. Jesus, men, is our supreme example. He suffered and showed us the example that we are to have with the power of the Holy Spirit in us. When Jesus was abused, he did not abuse. When Jesus suffered, he did not threaten. He bore our sins in his body that we might live for righteousness. Okay, men, time for you to zone out. You can think about something else because I'm going to address the ladies, the wives now. Now, right, now Peter says this, wives in the same way. Well, what's in the same way? In the same way that he's been talking to the men. You are to accept the authority of your husband. So just as men are to be humble and gentle into the, in the face of adversity, so you are also. Just as husbands are to live under the authority of their government, so you also. Just as husbands are to do good when they suffer under the authority of an unkind boss, so you also. How? And what example? Well, Peter gives this illustration. He says, imagine if there's an unbelieving man and he's married to a Christian woman. The conduct of the godly wife may lead her unbelieving husband to put his faith in Christ. But it won't be so much by her words, but by her actions. You and I, we're called to love the unsaved into the kingdom. The unbelieving husband who is not gentle may come to faith through the example of his gentle, pure and respectful wife. Now you might know people as I do, right, where that's occurred. I've given this illustration before, the former pastor at Kruger Parade Baptist Church, I went to visit him and he told me that for six years as an unbeliever, every Sunday morning, his wife as a Christian would invite him to church and he'd say no. No, 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 no. Every Sunday for six years. And then on this one day he decides, look, I'll just go. I'll just go to keep her happy. And he told her, I'm not coming. I'm not coming with you. I don't want all that singing at the beginning. I'm just gonna turn right up before, you know, just before the message begins. And then as soon as the sermon's over, he says, I'm out of there. I'm gone, right? But I'll come just for that. She, of course, was over the moon. And as he walks into the church that day, the pastor who knew him well puts his normal sermon under the pulpit, right? And preaches a gospel message for this one man. It's wonderful. And during that sermon, right, the guy gets saved. 
And at the end of the sermon, as the pastor's going down to shake hands at the door, this man grabs the pastor and hugs him with tears coming down his eyes and says, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And the pastor says, let go of me, you're breaking every bone in my body. <laughs> he was saved because of the spirit of his gentle wife who did not harass him, but gently asked him every Sunday morning, do you wanna to come to church today? Do you wanna to come to church? What Peter says is true. It can occur. Wives, we're still on to you. Verse three, do not adorn yourselves outwardly by braiding your hair, by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in God's sight. Peter says, it's not the outward appearances that are going to bring eternal results and rewards, it's your gentle and quiet spirit. How a woman responds to injustices in the world, that will bear testimony that God has done a transforming work in her life. It's precious in God's sight, because it will be supernaturally attractive to her husband. And that is all in the home. The home is to be the showcase of gentleness. When people come into your home, do they sense this is a place of gentleness? The next place, the next place is the church. We are to be gentle in the church. Of course we should. We should be gentle with each other as believers, of course. You know, as well as I do, it doesn't always happen in church. One author said this, and I was astounded. He says, the single most absent ingredient in the church today, think about those words, single most absent ingredient in the church today may well be a spirit of meekness, gentleness toward others. It's in the church. What about, what about witnessing to others? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter, I see in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. With Christ in us, there will be a gentleness of spirit about us which will demonstrate to everyone else that the living God is alive in us. Others are noticing how we respond to injustice, persecution or suffering. Others at work are noticing of what you are saying about the boss when he is not present. Others are listening to you, to what you're saying about the government, even if you may not agree with government decisions and is meaning less money in your pocket. I'm not saying that we should always be praising them, right? But others are listening. A gentle spirit, when rebuked or criticised, may draw an inquiry as to why your behaviour is different from others. Why are you generous to the selfish? Why is it that you work just as hard when the boss is present as when he is absent? 
When questioned as to why our behaviour is different, says Peter, we should be at the ready to be able to explain the reason for the hope that is in us is that we do it with the spirit of Christ, the spirit of gentleness. That means being a servant, not a judge. Being helpful, not a hindrance. Being kind, not critical. Demonstrating a life that would give anything if needed to see the other person saved. Gentleness in the home, gentleness in the church, gentleness in correction. So I'm gonna move to Galatians chapter six. Galatians chapter six. Paul writes, my friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Here's our word again. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. What's Paul saying? He says, as Christians, there may be occasions when we need to correct others' behaviour, when we need to bring others to account. If so, you are to go to them in a spirit of gentleness, not in a spirit of judgment. You are going to restore them. You go to them. I'm here to help you because I'm concerned about your spiritual walk and your journey. I'm here to help you because I love you as a brother or a sister. We're to meet them with an attitude of gentleness, with the attitude of setting them free from the grip of sin and temptation, knowing that we are to be aware that we not also be caught up in the net of that temptation also. Humility and gentleness must be our attitude, even if we think we encounter conflict. Without anger, without being judgmental, without being vindictive, we go with gentleness. Whatever the outcome is, that's God's responsibility. And then here's another quote. Here's another quote for you. Russell Kelfer says this, 99%, 99%, we're nearly all there, right? 99% of all the problems that exist within the body of Christ and within local churches in particular, would be solved before they get to the crisis stage if everyone simply obeyed Paul's instruction, humbly correcting those who are in opposition. 99%. Your position may be spot on, but if your attitude is wrong, you may end up causing more harm. So what pleases God. God is pleased when his children are clothed in humility and gentleness. God is pleased when your home is a showcase of gentleness. God is pleased when our attitude to another is, how can I help you in that? God is pleased when we are gentle to those in authority over us. God is pleased when we witness to others with gentleness. God is pleased when we correct others in a spirit of gentleness. It brings God great delight to see the gentleness of Christ shown in and through your life. So let me finish with Philippians chapter four, verse five. 
let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let's pray. Father, we can't do this in and of ourselves, Lord. We're sometimes prone to easily rise up and want our own way and put ourselves first and don't you know who I am? Of course, Jesus was never like that. Lord, with his spirit living in us, we pray that your gentleness might fill us more and more, that our homes would be more and more a place of gentleness, that our workplaces, you would show us, Lord, where we need to stop being critical and instead express a spirit of gentleness, that in the church, Lord, the spirit of gentleness would so fill this place. So Lord, we're dependent on your spirit. We're dependent on you, Lord, every moment of every day and that you might be glorified as your gentleness is shown in us and through us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Neil. I think it's one of the most beautiful things in the Christian life is that it's about God coming into our lives through the Holy Spirit and beginning to build His character in us. It's so, so good. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it can even be a barrier to someone coming to Christ. They think, oh, I've just got to get it all together and show, be like Jesus. But it's not the way. Um, I love the invitation Jesus gives all of us to come as we are. And as we do that, His Spirit within us begins to build that character. As Neil said, it's not something we can do. Be, be kind and gentle. He does that within us. And I encourage us as we sing this last song as a church that we bring all that we are, as we are, all of our weaknesses and adequacies around character or this work and just say, God, have all of me that you could begin to change and live out of me, live through me to build that character within us. And that's His promise. That's what the Holy Spirit does within us. All He is asking is just for a, a soft and available heart. Um, as Neil was preaching, I was picturing the, the potter and the clay, the potter coming and gently working in our lives to bring His character within us. Um, are we willing to be that soft clay just to be worked and shaped as God would want us uh, let's pray that and ask God to help continue to build that character within us. So let's worship together. Just bring all that we are before Him now. Would you stand with me and worship? Take this life and breathe 
Spirit of God, we need your help. Every part of my world. So take this life and breathe on this heart. Let's sing it one last time. Come on, this is the cry of our heart. Spirit, lead us. You can Oh, teach us every part, Lord, even those areas, Lord, we can struggle to let go of. Lord, take them. Breathe. breathe your Holy Spirit, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's the heart that we come with this morning. Lord, humble hearts surrendered to you, acknowledging our deep need for you, Lord. We want to change. We want to be grown, Lord God, from the inside out. That's what you want to do in our lives, Lord God. And we come and even confess our sin, confess our inadequacy before you, God, but want to thank you that you are gentle, you are merciful, you are gracious, and Lord, you take us on. And so, Lord, maybe we... May we be led by You, by Your Spirit. May we build that gentle character within our lives that, Lord, the world would see more of You in us, the more light from You, Lord, shining out of us, not because we have it all together, not because it's from us, but from You, Lord Jesus, we pray. May we be a gentle people. God, I pray over our homes, Lord Jesus, that would be a showcase of Your gentleness. Lord God, would You bless every home that's in this place. We pray for humility. We pray for grace. We pray for the work of Your Spirit in every family represented here, Lord. We again just admit our need for You in these places. Lord, You don't condemn us. You want to build us. You want to grow us, Lord, we pray. Thank You for Your Word that so clearly speaks to our lives and helps us, we pray. So Lord, we honour You, we worship You, and we thank You here in this place. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's been so great to have you here this morning. If you are new to Bridgman, we'd love to spend some time with you. The Newcomers Welcome Lounge is up the back there. We'd love to to spend some time with you. If you would like prayer, there's always a prayer team that comes here. We'd love to pray for you as well. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. Thank you.